AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point. Happy New Year. The last day that I guess I can officially say that. It is January 3rd. 2024. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Hope everyone had an enjoyable holiday season and ready to tackle uh, the final week of the regular season in the NFL, the College Football Playoff Championship, and then as we turn our attention to the NFL playoffs with the Phoenix Suns and the NBA season heating up, plenty of things on the horizon here in the sports world uh as we typically do though we set the scene with today's poll questions and let's get things started with the kdos1060.com poll question in regards to the arizona cardinals has kyler murray done enough this season for the cardinals not to select a quarterback with their first pick of the 2024 nfl draft yes continues to lead the way here at 64 percent of the vote no is trailing at 36 percent yeah, Murray was tremendous on Sunday. It might have been his best game as a Cardinal uh, from start to finish. Uh, he was certainly accurate. A lot of shorter passes in that game, but he was very accurate. Uh, 81% of his passes were completed, uh, and he uh, you know, passed and surpassed 30 pass attempts uh, in that game. This came after two really bad games, except for the garbage time yards and the uh, losses to the 49ers and the Bears and uh, his play in the first three quarters of those two games clearly put them in position to lose those games, and he had some nice stats and so forth in the fourth quarter, quarter to make it look good. So if you just looked at the numbers, you went, well, he must have had a good game. Well, he was awful in those two games, but he was really good on Sunday against Philadelphia. And, uh, in fact, yesterday Jonathan Gannon declared that there's no doubt that Murray will return next season. Yeah, and he uh, meeting the media here this morning saying and echoing simple, similar sentiments uh, in that press conference. So we'll dive into that a little bit more here in just a minute. Before we get to the Twitter X poll question, I uh, do want to make mention, though, Darren Urban of the ArizonaCardinals.com talking about uh, DJ Humphreys and that he's suffered a torn ACL in that Philadelphia win. Uh, so certainly this potentially could change what the Cardinals are going to want to do uh, when you look at at least on paper right now in terms of all the different needs that this Cardinals team has wide receiver comes to mind offensive line certainly comes to mind but then offensive line and wide receiver are two uh, quote-unquote stacked positions coming into this uh, 2024 draft. Yeah, I would also add that every line of the defense needs, uh, except for safety, uh, needs to upgrade significantly. So a lot of draft needs. And even before the Humphreys injury on Sunday in the news this morning about his ACL terror, I, would ab- I was advocating weeks ago that Paris Johnson should be a guard and not a tackle in the NFL, which I actually thought before the draft last year. Uh, he only played one year as a tackle at Ohio State. 
He was a guard the other couple of years before his final season there. He was much better as a guard at Ohio State than he was at tackle. Over on X at KDUS AM 1060, has the U of A basketball team been exposed during its last four games? And uh, Kevin Flaherty of 247sports.com joined Bob in the sports zone. And if you missed any of that conversation, you can always podcast over at KDUS1060.com or with the KDUS1060 app. Uh, U of A was one of the topics of conversation. But when it comes to the question, yes, leading the way at 64.7% of the vote, no trailing at 35.3%. You know, when we were last on the air on uh, the 15th of, uh, of, of, of uh, December, the U of A was an undefeated team. And one of our poll questions that day was, would they beat Purdue? And I, if I remember correctly, both of us thought that Purdue would win that game, and Purdue did win that game. Purdue did whatever it wanted to do offensively in that game. They made a run in the second half, but really Purdue dominated that game for almost the start to finish. There was never any doubt that Purdue was going to win the game, quite frankly, after just a few minutes. Uh, And the U of A lost three out of four starting with that loss, and their defense has been atrocious. Uh, Whether it be, I understand that Stanford made a bunch of threes and, and whatever, but they did not contest those threes. And also, after they made several threes on Sunday, Stanford easily got to the basket uh, basket without any problem whatsoever, especially off the bounce. And those were problems we've seen from Tony Lloyd teams the last three years now. And uh, yeah, Florida Atlantic in between. Uh, the uh, Purdue and uh, Stanford losses beat the U of A. And Florida Atlantic looked like a by far more athletic team when they played a couple of Saturdays ago against in Las Vegas when they played that game. A question will officially answer around 12.30 today. Still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Speaking of uh, you, you can chime in if you'd like to. 602-260-1060 around 11.30 and 12.15 will be the two interactive segments. 602-260-1060, of course, college football. Uh, Anything else that you would like to discuss from uh, the last couple of weeks and moving forward is on the docket. For the Arizona Cardinals, they picked up a win over the Eagles on Sunday, 35-31. And from an offensive standpoint, Kyler Murray, he was 25 of 31, 232 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. That interception was that 99-yard pick six, but major miscommunication there involving wide receiver Michael Wilson. But speaking of Wilson, he finally got involved in that contest with four catches for 35 yards and a touchdown, securing his first catch in more than a month. You have had this Greg Dorch and Kyler connection that continues. Dorch with seven catches. Trey McBride continues his ascension. Six catches for 48 yards. And then, of course, probably the most consistent part of the Cardinals offense so far has been James Conner when he's been out there. 26 carries, 128 yards, one touchdown. Michael Carter getting it going on the ground game. Seven carries for 61 yards. It was an offensive performance that had the most yards of the season so far for the Cards, 449 yards. And I think we could argue as well the most complete offensive performance and then the most complete uh, game for Kyler Murray. Absolutely. I think you make a case as the best game that Kyler Murray has played as a Cardinal. Uh, you know, the 81% completion percentage, you know, the, they didn't chuck it down the field very often, but that's okay. Uh, so that worked out, and it was great. And, you know, you mentioned Wilson. 
Uh, you know, he also, you know, they ran for 221 yards, and one of the reasons he he threw some hellacious blocks in a couple of their big running plays. You mentioned Connor also that uh, 26 carries was a season high for him. Absolutely. Uh, for Kyler Murray, since he has returned from his ACL surgery this season, he's 3-4 and four as a starter, completing 64.7% of his passes, 1,537 yards, 9 touchdowns, 5 picks, and 17 sacks, 2.77 seconds average time to throw according to next-gen stats, and average completed air yards sitting at 4.5 yards. But the reason that we're kind of dissecting a little bit more about Kyler Murray is that you had uh, Jonathan Gannon talking about how uh, he's giving his assurances that Kyler Murray is goes the Cardinals franchise quarterback and he also met the media earlier this morning echoing similar sentiments here uh, including saying that he's been convinced since he got here that Kyler Murray was going to be his quarterback moving forward. Yeah, we'll get into the Murray question a little deeper when we get to the poll question in uh, the next hour. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think you can make a good case, a uh, pretty easy case, quite frankly. You mentioned seven starts, and I think that even the most hardcore Kyler Murray fan would not say that he's had more than three good or above average starts of those seven. It's also been a bit of a, a mixed bag as well because, as we mentioned when we were talking about the most complete offensive performance for the Cardinals against this Eagles team, uh, you know, and then I mentioned probably the most consistent part – throughout the entire season has been the ground game. The ground game has also statistically had the most success, too. It uh, didn't matter who was quarterbacking the Cardinals at that point. Uh, I would say, though, that it's it's hard when you're evaluating Kyler in certain circumstances because of the wide receiver core that he's had, uh, certain players in and out of the lineup. And then I think we could also talk about how uh, a big physical wide receiver who can stretch the field is certainly needed. Yeah, that would help, but I mean, again, based on his four seasons as the Cardinals quarterback, I really don't think I've seen a whole lot different than what I saw the first three years. Uh, the Cardinals, as a team, they have one more to go this weekend. They are hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Currently, the Seahawks are sitting at 8-8. Eight and eight. That's third in the NFC West. They do not have a playoff spot as it's currently seated right now. According to probabilities at NFL.com, they have a 1% chance of making the playoffs if they lose to the Cardinals on Sunday. They have a 41% chance of making the playoffs if they win against the Cardinals on Sunday. Sunday. Obviously, the Cardinals uh, would like to try to play spoiler to a division foe. And uh, this is probably along the lines of some of the things scheduling wise that the NFL is trying to do. You know, you're going to have several teams not even start uh, key players. I think I saw the Chiefs already announced that uh, Patrick Mahomes is not going to play this Sunday. Uh, but when you're trying to figure out what to do for teams that have everything locked up, still playing for something, maybe having that divisional opponent element for the final week of the season uh, to try to have some sort of intrigue and, uh, you know, knocking them out of uh, advancing in the season. Speaking of intrigue, we never really know to believe, can't believe Pete Carroll as far as injuries, and they've got a ton of them. Uh, offensive line again, running back again, linebacker again. Uh, so God knows what we'll probably I'm guessing we're not going to know until 90 minutes before game time of who's actually playing for the Seahawks this week. 
I have some questions in regards to the teams that have locked up their playoff opportunities, uh, those that are still vying for playoffs. We'll do that a little bit later on in the program, but we'll take a break now. And on the other side of the break, the Cardinals coordinators met the media. So some takeaways from what offensive coordinator Drew Petzing had to say yesterday, as well as defensive coordinator Nick Rollis. We'll do that on the other side of the break. Phone calls for you around 1130 and 1215-602-260. 1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in 602-260-1060 it is the extra point on this wednesday january 3rd 2024 so far doing well saying 2024 not quite certain how <laughs> writing 2024 is gonna go but there's still oh, I, uh, I did that yeah i did the sign i did a couple check writing saying the other day and yeah I, yeah i'd never get that right the first time around we exactly so we'll have to just be patient with ourselves on it but on the other side of the break we'll get into some cardinals coordinators and what they had to say when they met the media yesterday here in the extra point on kdus am 1060 check out kdus am 1060 on 100.7 kslx hd2 that's right hd radio on 100.7 channel number two Eleven twenty, right here on this Wednesday, January third, twenty twenty-four. Bob Cam, Kayla Morsolaro here with you up until one o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll get back to a normal week next week. Phone call time for you around eleven thirty and twelve fifteen. Six zero two two sixty ten sixty is the number if you'd like to chime in. Continuing with some Arizona Cardinals discussion, the coordinators met the media yesterday, and some takeaways from that press conference here. We'll start on the offensive side of things, obviously with the offensive production and the performance, and then of course Jonathan Gannon uh, making news about you know really solidifying Kyler Murray being the quarterback of the future for the Cardinals here. Uh, offensive coordinator Drew Petzing was asked about the difference between the first half and the second half in that Eagles game with Kyler being nearly perfect in the second half and uh, Petzing said combination of things certainly got better play calls in there gave them some opportunities to make some big plays I thought execution was cleaner thought the front five did a great job all day of handling those guys just started clicking things going at the right time guys were making big plays it was exciting to see and I'll just pick piggyback that off of a follow-up question there about negative plays that set the team back we mostly saw that happening in the first half because the Cardinals statistically had outplayed the Eagles yet we're losing at halftime Petzing said certainly we were moving the ball well in the first half but just couldn't find a way to execute when we got down in the red zone to get seven every time obviously the turnover going into that but I thought those guys did a really nice job in the second half of minimizing those certainly play calls have a big thing to do with that as well but was really pleased with that second half performance yeah i think a couple things for you know obviously that you know the pick six in the first half that was a red zone i'm not sure if it was technically in the red zone it was like inside the 25 for sure uh so that was obviously a you know point swing of at least a field goal into seven points for philadelphia i thought it was especially important even when they were down 21 to 6 that they still stuck with the running game because obviously it was effective. And I mentioned these numbers during the sports zone, but 32 first downs on 72 snaps is insane. Uh, that's an incredibly high rate. 
and they uh, dominated the time of possession with more than 39 minutes of time of possession. Also, I think it should be pointed out that the Eagles' defense is a mess, and I don't think it merely matters, quite frankly, who the coordinator is. Uh, you know, Jonathan Gannon was the defensive coordinator last year uh, for whatever reason, whether it's all him. I think it's some him. Also, you know, they've had a lot of injuries in the secondary. That has certainly played a role. And at linebacker, their starting linebackers were unavailable and didn't play on Sunday, for instance, including Zach Cunningham, who I think is you know, not even arguably their best linebacker. He wasn't able to go. But you know, throw all that together, the Cardinals and Petsing, they did not give up on the run game. And I think that had a lot to do with Kyler Murray's efficiency as a passer in this game, too, because there was some play-action element involved there. Plus, he was under center a lot. And once again, I apologize. I didn't look this up. But I'm almost certain that uh, that's the game of his career, that he was under center more than any other time, certainly during the Kingsbury area where he had, like, what, 10 snaps under center <laughs> in four, three years? Yeah. Uh, so – but I, I'm pretty sure that just you know, observing the game and not looking it up afterwards, which I should have done, but I didn't, uh, it sure seemed like Murray was under center more than ever before in his professional career. Certainly the eye test would back that up uh, for being under center. You know, I had this question written down, but I think it's worth uh, mentioning since we're kind of on this topic about just how physically dominating the Cardinals were. You know, when you can run the ball like that, you are imposing your will. The Eagles have obviously identified that their defense is an area of concern, already making a change at coordinator at some point in this season here. So how do we balance the what we saw from the Cardinals offensively with, uh, I guess, the expectations and what we think the potential of this Eagles team can be and the reality of what we've seen from this Eagles defense the last couple of weeks. I would say the whole season for the Eagles. Uh, their defense hasn't been good really at any point. You know, they, they mentioned they've had – I don't think that they've had their back seven intact for even one game this year. So that plays a role. But, you know, that front four, we remember we bragged all season long last year, what, they have like 70 sacks just yeah. with their front four last year? Though That group has not played anywhere near the level of last year, and they've actually got pretty much the same dudes uh, playing those spots with the, you know, in fact, they've gotten better. You would think at least, you know, they, they added the guy from Georgia, uh, yet another guy from Georgia. <laughs> so Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. Right. Right. They haven't played anywhere near what they did last year as far as the, you know, the front four guys. So I think that there's certainly uh, that, that certainly I think that definitely needs to be factored in. I don't care who the coordinator is and they've actually they weren't. It doesn't matter. There's personnel. Their personnel is not uh, really good enough right now. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm sure that the fact that uh, you know, Gannon's not there has played a role. But also think that uh, you know the personnel has not been as uh, uh, as available, and the guys that have played haven't been as good. Yeah, I think you can really identify that Javon Hargrave has had a great season this year so far with the 49ers. Yeah, right. uh, he was yep. a key cog to that defensive front for the Eagles. And then I was just listening this morning. Uh, I wish I 
it was right here on KDUS AM 1060 where I heard it. I just don't know who it was that said it. Uh, was talking about that Jalen Carter. We were discussing him like, holy smokes, he's just come out of the gates playing really well. Uh, if yeah. you were to look at the betting odds for rookie of the year for him, but he has really hit a wall here of uh, being kind of ineffective uh, for the Eagles on defense. I would just throw out the kind of, I would say, missing in action. He's been out there, but he hasn't done much of anything for several games. Back to comments from offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals, Drew Petting, and some takeaways there. He was asked, uh, what can it mean for Kyler to have a full offseason with you? He says, I think it's big. I think it's big for our relationship, for his understanding of the offense, for relationship with his teammates, getting a feel for how guys come out of breaks, where they are going to be in tough situations, and making sure all the field communication is not always going to be verbal and kind of have an understanding of body language and so forth. I think that stuff is huge. Yeah, let me add, go back just to the back to the running game thing again. I think we established several weeks ago that this offensive line is really good at run blocking. And when they've had the lead, they've certainly had their best success. They suck at pass blocking, however. And obviously, they even though they were down 26 to, or 21 to 6, uh, and that wasn't necessarily the defense's fault because of the pick six. It didn't feel like they were really chasing points even when they were down 15, and they scored those four consecutive possessions of the second half. Now on the Kyler Murray thing, certainly no matter what the quarterback and coordinator situation, unless you've just got a really bad quarterback, you know, having the opportunity, especially after last year when they didn't have the offseason to work together, that's got to be an improvement for next year and got to be easier for everybody. Uh, with one week to go, are you where you thought you'd be? Uh, that's the question to offensive coordinator Drew Petzing. His answer here is, I was hoping to be undefeated, but that'll be true every year. And he said that with a definite smile and chuckle. But then he goes on to be more serious here. No, I think it's a good question. It's a hard question. So much of what we are doing is day to day. And I think that has to be our mindset all the time. I think at some point in the off season, there might be time to reflect, but I don't think at any point in training camp or off season, I was like, this is where I want to be in December, or this is where I want to be in September. It's always a, Hey, how do we get better today? What do I need to do to be a better coach? to make sure I'm putting these guys in the best position. And you really have to stick to that mindset if you're going to reach your potential. I really do believe that. Okay, well, let's put it in a more, more of an objective viewpoint of things here. Uh, the Cardinals' season win total for most of the offseason was five. It went down to four in some locations before the season started. And here we are with one game to go in the regular season. They've won four games. Final takeaway from offensive coordinator Drew Petting. He was asked about uh, with the wide receiver room the way that it is, has Greg Dortch produced more than you thought he would? And he said, that's a tough question. I think I've been really pleased with the way he jumped in and didn't miss a beat. I think you've seen that over the last couple of weeks. He's always ready when his number is called, regardless of whether he's in the starting lineup on Wednesday or he happens to be in there midway through the game on Sunday. He jumps right in there and plays at a really high level. You see what he can do with the ball in his hand not only as a returner but some of the run after the catch he's made certainly the last couple of weeks has been explosive for our offense so really pleased with that and certainly want him to grow in that role yeah uh, I think they've gotten the most out of uh, they could possibly get out of Dorch who I loved at college in Wake Forest but if this were a uh, average team 
Uh, I can't imagine that Dortch would be more than a number three receiver on most NFL average teams. Uh, then we jump over to defensive coordinator Nick Rollis and some of the takeaways from what he had to say here. The Cardinals defense held the Eagles offense. Jalen Hurts, 18 of 23, 167 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. He had eight carries for 25 yards. DeAndre Swift, 13 carries for 61 yards. Something that did stand out to me here. The Cardinals did, in fact, stop the brotherly shove on a third and one, but then they went right back at it on a fourth and one and the Eagles were able to convert. But hey, that's a small victory there. They are a team that at least stopped them one time with a brotherly shove. Uh, The question to Rollis here was on the onside kick and being prepared for a short field if the Cardinals didn't recover. Rollis says, JD does a really good job of communicating that. I thought I did a really good job of acting like I wasn't really paying attention to the kick. But yeah, I was very aware of, hey, you got to defend a short field here. Time left in the game. How do we want to play that? I think JG does a really good job of going back and forth between all the lines. I thought that onside kick was just a bonehead decision. Uh, They were fortunate to win the game because of that, even after that. Uh, so I didn't understand it at the time. It just seemed like a, you know, kind of like a desperate measure from a team that I thought had the Eagles reeling at that point. Also, I think it's really difficult to evaluate the Cardinals' defensive performance uh, from Sunday because they were on the field for 20 minutes, basically. <laughs> Uh, well, the next question here for Rollis, how do you evaluate the defense with all the injuries and not having everyone for all of the games? And he says here, I'm not quite there yet. I'm focused on Seattle. When I do reflect back, that is the NFL. You never have the same guys up for a game week to week. There is going to be injuries. There is going to be change in who's active, who is inactive. That's part of being adaptable. You have to be able to know, hey, I want to get to this with these guys and what's your backup plan? What's your shoe plan? You have to be flexible with your game plan on a week-to-week basis with the opponent you're playing and who you have available. So I'd say it's just standard to this league, and you better get used to it because it's part of it. Every team goes through it. I'll give, hopefully, an objective viewpoint here. I would say of the current front seven starters, none of those guys I can guarantee are going to be on the Cardinals roster, let alone starting for them next year. Yeah, I think that that is, you know, when we had started the conversation, we were more focused on the offensive side of the ball with the injury to DJ Humphreys. But if we flip this conversation to the defensive side of the ball and looking at the 2024 NFL draft and the various different needs, uh, certainly getting yourself a dynamic pass rusher who can kind of uh, set the tone to be able to get pressure on the quarterback without having to send a blitz or make stunts or things of that nature is going to be really critical for this team. And I think that they need they need four or five corners at this point. Usually, you know, for years, we were, you know, who's the corner opposite Patrick Peterson was the annual question. Uh, yeah, now, the, you know, Marco Wilson has now officially been released and claimed by the Patriots. He's out of here. And, you know, a couple of the young corners that showed some promise early in the season have gotten worse as the season has continued. And I don't think they have anybody on their roster right now that's an NFL starting caliber cornerback. 
602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. We'll take a quick break. Be back with your calls on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060. We'll also dive into some more from around the NFL. Teams that have clinched playoff berths in the NFC and the AFC. Teams that are on the bubble uh, still vying for their chance to make the playoffs. We'll get to that next. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos1060 app feel free to chime in 602-260-1060 bob kemp kayla mortellaro here with you on this wednesday january 3rd KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa. Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Welcome back to Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortloro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. Moving away from the Arizona Cardinals, but sticking with the NFL here, discussing the teams that have clinched playoff berths ahead of the final week of the regular season and teams that uh, still have the opportunity in front of them. Let's take a look, though, first at the NFC and the teams that are currently in the playoffs here. The 49ers, they have clinched the NFC West. They also have clinched the number one seed in the NFC. The Lions, they're in the playoffs. They've also clinched the NFC North. Uh, Pretty impressive statistics when you think about the last time they were in the playoffs. What was that, uh, 2016? And then you got to go back to 1993 for an NFC North title uh, championship for the Lions. The Cowboys have clinched a playoff berth so too have the eagles the division winner is still up for grabs and then maybe here we go the most surprising team of all that have already clinched a playoff spot that being the rams yeah they've been really good for several weeks and now i think it's what is five out of six wins with the loss the loss was in overtime uh at baltimore uh so you know obviously baltimore has really gotten it together here in the last few weeks too uh, so, you know, the Rams have done a great job. They've run the ball at a very high rate. Matthew Stafford has been really good for several weeks in a row. Multiple wide receivers are now contributing. Their defensive front seven is good. Their secondary is really kind of weak. And their special teams have been bad. Even uh, you know, not just the last, you know, the, you know, the overtime loss against the Ravens when they gave up the uh, – you know, the punt return in the game, but their special teams almost lost in the game against uh, against the Giants last Sunday. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Matthew Stafford. He's been playing really good. Uh, he did miss, you know, a game with an injury, but overall he's been able to battle through the injuries that he has had and also more healthy than maybe we've seen in the past. Uh, then you also have mm-hmm. the emergence of Puka Nakua after some of the injuries there to Cooper Cup. And then I think maybe most surprisingly or impressively here is the run game for the Rams. 
Yeah, and Williams has been tremendous, and they have a very good run-blocking offensive line. I think they, I think I shorted the Rams where they won six out of seven and not five out of six. Also, a couple of injuries from Sunday, though. Cup left that game with a lower leg injury against the Giants, and Tyler Higbee, uh, who's a very important part of their offense, including blocking, uh, as a tight end, uh, he left that game with a shoulder injury. So a couple of the other teams here that have already clinched their playoff berths, uh, do we now, I mean, I think this has been a topic of conversation about who are the Cowboys, you know, when they were just absolutely pummeling teams that were struggling. Uh, they We've seen what they're doing, home versus road splits, and then we've seen a couple of different things occur here, that uh, last second win against the Lions, but then getting, uh, you know, blown out the week before. So when it comes to who are the Dallas Cowboys, do we have any better clue as we're sitting here now heading into the final week of the season? I'm confused uh, partly because their offensive line right now is a mess. Tyler Smith with the foot injury. Uh, you know, they've got, you know, the right tackle has been a joke all season long, quite frankly, when every, even when guys have been healthy. You know, they've gone out and added some people in the offensive line this week, just yesterday. Uh, they can't run the ball. And Tony Pollard, uh, I think, is, uh, you know, that was you know, one guy I was right about before the season started. Yeah, they made a big they made a big mistake not keeping Zeke, uh, who clearly was good with New England, especially down the stretch for New England, uh, and not re-signing him and making Pollard the number one running back. Well, Pollard has never been, and I've been saying this for months, never been a number one running back in college or in the NFL, and he's incapable of it. I'm curious to see if he's even on the Dallas roster next season because if free, he's a free agent at the end of the year. I do want to make just one clerical uh, confirmation here. The Cowboys were blown out two weeks prior. That was December 17th uh, against the Bills. Continuing on with the 49ers here after their uh, loss to the Ravens, they bounced back here. Was that just kind of a blip on the radar or some cause for concern that maybe the Ravens uh, have the personnel to be able to stymie what the 49ers like to do on offense? Well, that only matters if they play in February. <laughs> so we I mean, get back to me of that in February. Uh, but they've now won 11 games by at least 10 points this season. That is the most in NFL. That tied, is tied for the most in the NFL in the history of the NFL, according to the NFL Network. I stole that from them. Uh, their uh, total access broadcast yesterday. So I assume that's an accurate statement by them. Uh, you know the. They're going to rest guys this week, obviously. They, they really, it'll be interesting to see what they do because they've got the bye. So, you know, Christian McCaffrey, you mentioned Armstead. I, I mentioned Armstead now. You mentioned uh, Hargraves. Uh, you know, the guys that have been out and in and out of the lineup, you know, Trent Williams, Banks, the left guard. Uh, I'm guessing that those guys aren't going to – and none, none of them are going to play this week. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of an inter interesting situation because, you know, the rest versus the rust thing because you're not playing next week either with the number one seed. So how's all that work out? Obviously, it completely backfired on the Ravens a few years ago when they rested guys and then they got eliminated in their first playoff game by Tennessee. 
Well, let's talk about the Ravens and flip it over to the AFC side of things, the teams that have already clinched their spots. The Ravens have also clinched the AFC North and the number one seed. The Chiefs have clinched the AFC West. Uh, it was announced earlier today that uh, Patrick Mahomes, among other starters, will not play in this final week of the regular season for the Chiefs. The Dolphins are in the playoffs, and so too are the Browns. Um, are we maybe surprised here that the Ravens have hit the stride that they've hit, overcome some of the injuries that they had to start the season and throughout the season? Or is maybe the story here of the teams that have already clinched that the Browns have overcome losing Nick Chubb, losing Deshaun Watson, and finding gold here with Joe Flacco? Okay, let's say go separate on those. You know, I'm obviously really surprised at the Ravens. You know, I could question the Todd Munkin hire for months, and uh, I think that I was clearly wrong about that. Uh, he has clearly developed Lamar Jackson into a more complete quarterback, and Jackson is going to win his second MVP award after his performances the last two weeks against San Francisco and Miami. So that's been especially impressive. Yeah, I think that but I think that it's still kind of lost in the shuffle because you know Jackson's been so you know, dynamic and really good. Is that they're I think the biggest reason that they've won games this year and they they won this many games is their defense, and you know, they've allowed 20 points or fewer now in five of the last six games, and that just kind of reflects uh, what they've done defensively. And they've overcome injuries on defense all year long. They've rarely had a game this year where they've had everybody out there that they wanted to have out there, whether it be guys in the front seven or, you know, they've gone through the cornerback and defensive backfield shuffle, including Kyle Hamilton right now, who's a big part of their team, but uh, they've been really good. As far as Cleveland goes, it's a very, I think that you know, Stefanski is definitely a coach, coach of the year candidate, no question. He's had to change everything multiple times not just the quarterback roulette and what's going on there, uh, but the offensive line, which is considered to be the strength of their team, uh, they've all you know they've they had three offensive linemen out last week, and they keep winning games. Uh, and Flacco, obviously, we we said it when he you know, was first signed by them. We know what he's going to do, and it's amazing at age 39 he can still chuck it down the field with no problem, but I guess he had a lot of rest the last couple of years, so his arms he has good arm strength. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been chucking the ball down the field since he was at Delaware uh, in college, and he's still chucking it down the field at age 38 or whatever he is at this point. Uh, it's, uh, he's great at that. There are a few, I don't know if there's been many deep ball throwers in the history of the league, I'm not exaggerating here, that are better than he is. Well, I had this question in the NFC, so I have to have it in the AFC here. Uh, do we now know what to make of the Miami Dolphins? Have we seen enough evidence of playing against certain physical teams, what happens, uh, or should we just try to wipe away the 56-19 to 19 loss to the Ravens that's currently in our minds? Well, yeah, I'm not sure what to think of their defense. Um even when healthy, uh, and they obviously weren't healthy by the end of that game last week after they lost you know, two defensive starters during that game, uh, key defensive starters, uh, you know, arguably their second-best corner, well, their second-best defensive back, and obviously Chubb got injured in the final couple of drives of that game while he was still in the game when it was like 5,000 to zero. 
Uh, I don't understand why he was out there, but he was, and he tore his ACL in the fourth quarter, and he's obviously out for the season. But they've allowed 35 points per game against teams above 500 this year. 35 a game. That's not good. No, it's not. But they are 7-1 at home, and they are playing at home this week against Buffalo, who could either win the division or not make the playoffs. What a playoff scenario, which I was going to get to on the other side of the break, but we had so much good content here in this last segment that I think I'm going to push it to the start of hour number two, and we'll sandwich in the fact that the PGA Tour is back in action with the Century from Maui. So we'll touch on that, the happenings in the world of golf on the other side of the break. So we'll do that, and then we'll go back to the NFL to kickstart hour number two. Plus in hour number two, we'll also have a little bit about the Phoenix Suns, Uh, as they are hosting the L.A. Clippers tonight. No Kevin Durant, it looks like, as of now. Uh, We'll also take your phone calls around 1215-602-260-1060 is the number. But we wrap up our number one next. It is the Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. point on this Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024 edition. We'll get back to the NFL conversation to get our number two started. Went through the team so far that have clinched their playoff berths, and then we'll see about the teams that uh, are still in the mix for the NFC spots and the AFC spots. We'll do that to get things started in our number two, but getting things started the PGA Tour opens up the year this week with the Century. I'm not sure if it's still called the Tournament of Champions or not, because, yes, you get an invitation to play uh, at Kapalua if you've won, but also if you finished in the top 50 in the FedEx Cup points from one season ago, you are eligible to participate. There are 59 players in the field this week. The plantation course at Kapalua, uh, it plays nearly 7,000. 1,600 yards, but uh, in no way, shape, or form does it actually play that long. The fairways are very firm, plenty of undulations, so you can hit a golf ball and it'll roll for miles. I think that in some way that kind of neutralizes the great ball strikers off the tee uh, and maybe in some ways neutralizes some of the guys that are very uh, straight and accurate and also long. Uh, So it kind of really starts to put an emphasis and a premium on your approach shots and if you're looking at buckets of yardages for approach shots for guys this week yes you could also look at being able to capitalize on par five scoring so how are you from 200 225 plus but then also your wedge game how are you from 100 to 125 yards a little bit longer 150 to 175 yards and then it's going to come down to 
conversion of those shots. How many really good opportunities, 20 feet, 15 feet and in, are you giving yourself to make birdies? Because it's going to be a birdie fest. It's going to be a birdie contest. It's been, uh, you know, 20 plus under par here for a couple of years in a row. Scotty Scheffler, to no surprise, is world number one. He's plus 500 odds. Victor Hovland, plus 900 odds. He's one of the guys that I'm thinking neutralizes what he is really, really good at. So with those odds and him staying away from him here this week, Patrick Cantlay, plus 12 to 1. Colin Morikawa, 12 to 1. Ludwig Adberg is 14 to 1. He's a new name and a new sensation that we'll need to be paying attention to. He absolutely tore it up in the amateur call. College ranks. He played in the Ryder Cup for Team Europe, and now he is going to be making his uh, really his PGA Tour in season uh, for a full season, I should say, debut. So maybe go ahead and look at a young guy like him at 14 to one. He's no stranger to playing in big events and winning. Also, somebody to look at who uh, is really good with the short game, makes a ton of birdies. I don't know if he can win the event, but he's plus odds at top 20. Eric Cole, plus 140. He's a great wedge player, and accuracy off the tee is something he struggles with, and I don't think it's going to be an issue this week for the century from Maui. Uh, If we have time later in the week, we'll discuss just kind of in general the state of professional men's golf and where everything's at and maybe how uh, disappointing or not as excited I am right now for the start of the season. Maybe by the time April and Augusta rolls around, those feelings will come back to me here just with the way that everything is transpiring. But hour number two is next.